Hello, Flyperbole listeners, Flight Fam. How's it going? This is Steve Jaco. Tonight, I'm joined by Kurt R., friend of the show. Haven't had you on in a while, Kurt. First time, long not first time, but long time. Medium time, long time. This is this is, I think, my third third time on the show since um since you came back to be or came to BSH, I should say. Uh, and I remember the other two times we talked about Cole Beasley and then like Mike <laughs> Scott. So. I'm ex- I feel like we need to get the hat trick here, find like a, a baseball player, like some unimpressive like utility bench player on on some baseball team to talk about for for the first five, ten minutes of this pod. I don't know. I don't I haven't watched that much baseball lately. I feel so <laughs> unprepared right now. I mean, can we talk about Eric Bruntlett? He had a triple play once. I had a yeah, blog yeah, dedicated to getting that. him fired from the that. Phillies. Oh yeah. Uh Wilson Valdez. It didn't work. You know. He, he, He's, no, he's not random. He pitched. He pitched in that one game. He's a hero always. He even did. Though, even though he wasn't actually good at baseball. He he did the one oh. cool thing. So he was a hero. In the annals of Philly's history, there's many guys who did the one cool thing and, and moved along with their <laughs> yeah, lives. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's pretty much it. That's true. Got got, got the one dub. Got got the one one title. So, you know, they're, they, they've, they've coasted on that in my brain for a while to the point where now their continued mediocrity is more an annoyance than a source of anger. Yeah. Hey, so on that note, the flyers. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's talk about the flyers continued mediocrity. And the fact that w- when we were warming up here, we were talking about just how kind of annoying this shortened season is in the fact that not only is it a short season, but you're playing the same teams over and over. It's all division play. So every game is huge and that kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, so like setting the table here, I mean, this division, so even that all, that all acknowledged, like this division is ridiculous. We know that there are, you're probably familiar with the setup here. There are five good teams and with how the NHL set up this year, only four of them can make it. So one of Boston, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Flyers is going to miss. And like, you look at their point paces right now, um, Technically, the Flyers are still ahead of the Penguins, but um, the Penguins have a pretty have a relatively easy schedule the rest of the way. I believe I read they still have all of their games against the Sabers and Devils, which the Flyers, of course, don't have. They only have, I think, three and six against those two teams. And then the other three teams in the division, you've got Boston right above the Flyers, and you know they're they've gone a little cold, but I don't need to explain how that like how their presence is a problem for this team. You've got Washington, nope. and every year it's like maybe Washington's going to fall off this year. Nope, they're they're still they're still Washingtoning all over the place. Got Alex Ovechkin doing stuff. Tom Wilson trying to kill dudes. Um, you know, we saw that game on Sunday. That was very frustrating game after those first twenty minutes. Then we've got the Islanders, who you know broke our spirits all through last year. Did it even harder in the playoffs? Like, we're so much we're gave us about as excruciating a seven-game loss as you can because they were the better team in probably six of those seven games. Flyers still managed to hang on as long as they could because Carter Hart was, you know, awesome in that series. But there was also you all you never left that series like any point in that series feeling good about how the Flyers were playing against the Islanders. And it sucks because coming in, we sort of thought the Islanders were smoking mirrors, like an okay team propped up by goaltending and some good luck. And this year they're really good. Like they're just a straight up good team this year. And like, how is that fucking allowed? 
Like, I don't why are, understand. Why is, what is, how are they doing that? Look at their roster. Matthew Barzell is really good. Yeah, they got some good support players. Like, how are they doing this? How, like, I they, don't understand I feel it like, at all. I feel like Jesse Pinkman yelling about how they can't keep getting away with this. Like, it is I, – I just – how are they doing this? And like, they, they were they, – this was going to be it. This was going to be the year they fell off. And no, they're they're actually just awesome now, and it sucks. They're actually leading the East Division, whose sponsor I won't name because I've I've written to them asking if I they'd like to, to pay me. No. Um, I have not actually done this, but I, I'm I actually to... redacted the name on the forecast this week. Nice. They're not paying me, so I'm not I'm not going to list the yeah. name. No, um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, I can't be the Walter White to explain the science behind the <laughs> Islanders succeeding this year. I, I can't, I can't explain it. And I, Barzal's great, but I can't explain the rest of that roster. Like uh, Anders Lee scores goals. Sol- solid player. Solid player. Solid player. Like they've got solid players everywhere. And I guess that's an, like, they don't have many real gaps in that roster, but like you look at them and it's like, how are they doing this? And like, they have one of the guys who's, who's one of the few coaches that I think almost everybody can agree is a, a great coach Absolutely. in Barry Trotz. There's not many guys people can agree on, but Barry Trotz is one. Yeah. Like in the, in the, you know, like 80% of hockey coaches are like, yeah, he's fine. Flyer, Flyers coach. We may get to him later. Flyers coach. Yeah. He's probably in that group. You know, does some good things, does some bad things, has some good stretches, has some bad stretches. Like I think people generally agree Barry Trotz is good at this. Yeah. But yeah, so the Islanders are currently leading the East in point in point pace. So like just, you know, you proje- or points percentage, I guess. You project them out for the rest of the year. They're in the lead. Washington second, Boston third, Flyers fourth, Pittsburgh fifth. But if you look at like sites that project this stuff, they all have the Flyers as fifth most likely to make the playoffs in that group. I think Ugh. so the two that I like the most here, uh, Don Luschichin at the Athletic and Mike McCurdy at Hockey Viz. They both have Boston and the Islanders in the 80s, Pittsburgh and Washington in like the mid-high 70s, and they both have the Flyers in the mid-60s right now. Now, mid-60s is still higher than 50, so there's still, you know, a pretty good chance the Flyers make the playoffs, but it just underscores how hard this all is with this particular setup. And meanwhile, you've got, you know, the North Division where you've got one good team, four teams that are like, okay, are there even four, like, Calgary's a mess— Winnipeg has a goalie, and that is their entire team. Who else? What else is even in Canada? I don't know. Montreal fired their coach for no Montreal reason. Fired their coach, and they're probably still going to make the playoffs. And they have they have a flyperbly favorite Guy Fieri in um in like as their in, interim head coach. So he's doing uh, I mean, a great job. No, he isn't. I mean, like that team started off, and people were penciling him into the cup final, basically. And yeah, they, all of a sudden, they fired their coach, who just had a just horrible scare during the playoffs last year. And I just, I, I can't understand that, I that we all kind all. of agreed he was a good coach, but uh, maybe right. not. I clearly not. But yeah, I mean, you look at that division. Toronto is the only really good team in that division. I think any of these five teams would probably be like. At worst, third in that division, and one of them's going to miss. The Central sucks. The Central. So, like, I should admit, it's I haven't paid a ton of attention this year to non-East teams because, like, why pay attention to the Columbus Blue Jackets if I don't have to? Why pay attention to the Minnesota Wild if I don't have to? But like, I've been waiting years to not pay attention to the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> God, I know that's right. But like, Chicago's what like a greater than fifty percent chance to make the playoffs, and they have nothing. Like, what is going on? Chicago is 13, 9, and 5, 574 point percentage, minus 3 goal differential, and they are in the fourth playoff spot in oh that division. Oh my god. 
They have they have some goalie like like they have some goalie named Kevin who I know is doing well. That that's all I know. Inspirational. Yeah, and I mean you look at like you just look at what's happening everywhere else, and it's like it just sucks that this is the division the Flyers are in. And I mean, I don't know how much better it would be if like it was the same arrangement but under the old layout because Carolina is very good. Like I think they're very good, and I mean they aren't Boston, but I think. At worst, they'd be in this same conversation here with the Flyers, and you know, it'd still be five teams fighting for four. And who knows, maybe Columbus would be better. Don't no, probably not. Probably not. It's just, it just sucks. And like, like we were talking about, like, I feel like, and I'll preface what I'm about to say here by acknowledging, like, we all understand why this is the case. Like, this season is what it is because they're playing hockey in a once in a century pandemic, and every precaution possible has to be taken to make that make that a reality. And I mean, maybe like, you know, maybe you look at this and say, you know, if this is what you got to do to play hockey, so be it, you know, we wouldn't be here talking about this if they weren't doing those things. So in some ways we're grateful for it. Sometimes I sit and think like, should they be playing hockey right now? Like, should I really be complaining about this? But like, you know, at the end of the day, we're here to talk about this game and you know, this is what they had to do to make it happen. So as I say this, like, don't think I don't know why it's like this, but this season was like designed in a lab to drive us all fucking insane. I mean, there, there's a – like, they play every goddamn night. There's a back-to-back, like, every week. There are eight back-to-backs the rest of the season. The Flyer – compared to only three breaks the rest of the way that are at least two days. And this is all, by the way, assuming there isn't, like, another COVID scare that takes the Flyers out for 10 days, at which point they're just going to start playing, like, yeah. five games a week, and then who knows what's going to happen. I mean, just look at this past week, right, where yeah. they played they played Pittsburgh twice. But they didn't play Pittsburgh on back-to-back nights. They played mm-hmm. Pittsburgh on Saturday. Then they had to travel back to Philly and play Washington the next night. So they played Pittsburgh in an afternoon on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then they traveled back to Philly and had to play Washington the next night. Then they take a night off, play the Buffalo mm-hmm. Sabres, take a night off, play the Washington Capitals twice. It's, right. I, what? Like, it's it's it was back-to-back against Buffalo and then... Three games against Pittsburgh, all with one day off before them, and then straight into another game against Washington. And, like, people talked about this being, like, you heard a lot in the last, like, 11, 12 days about how the Flyers were in a 6-9, and nine, which, you know, nice, nice, nice. But, like, after the 6-9, and nine, they had another game the next day. Or, like, two, or another, like, a one day off and then another game. One day off, then another game. And, like, this doesn't get better. And I, I remember saying on Sunday night, like, the Flyers were clearly just dead tired at the end of that game like they came out in that washington game played a pretty good first period and then the wheels just kind of fell off and i think people were justifiably saying yeah they're probably they're just probably dead tired well yeah that that's probably part of it they're not not going to be tired the rest of the year like the only way they're getting an extended break is if someone gets covid and none of us want that like none of us want that to be clear again but it's just like this is going to be ridiculous the rest of the way. And like, as I was saying, like this season, like it just never stops And every, like, it's one thing to say every game matters. It's another to like actually live it. Cause like, there's no, I like to think as I've gotten a little bit older and, you know, experienced a bit more of life, I've done a bit better a job with not making every individual sports game, the end of the fucking world. And that's especially <laughs> true in hockey and basketball sports that aren't football. 
Well, because it's a big problem when yeah. you do that in sports that aren't football, yeah. when you do it in baseball, hockey, and basketball, because there's 82 or more or games more in those games sports. In the season. Yeah, like, with football, it's one thing, and we make a joke, in, like, sometimes internally, sometimes out there in, in the Borussia Hockey Slack about Eagles fan brain, which, you know... Eagles to, brain. To be Eagles clear, brain is a real problem. I have Eagles brain. Should... Like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this, there's a pretty good chance you have Eagles brain, too. And I really do feel like the the social media climate has really driven oh, yeah. that to an even higher degree than it's ever been before. Sure. Because you do have the resources to analyze every game, to talk about every game, yeah. it just nonstop at you know ad nauseum. Like it's all there, so that's all not helping. But then having this just truncated season, this really squeezed together season, this compressed mm-hmm. season is the word I'm looking for, is just. It's making it all pretty much as bad as it's ever been. Yeah, like there, there's no, there's no like night off. Like I think, like there's no Tuesday night game against the Florida Panthers where you lose four to one and you're like, okay, that sucks. But you know what? Let's get the next one. Like none of those exist. The closest we have to those is games against the Buffalo fucking Sabers. And as we saw last night, even those aren't always games. Like there's, oh my god, like every. Like, every game just matters so much more than it needs to. And, like, we're all going to have Eagles fan brain by the end of this season because it's, like, the experience of cramming this much hockey, this much important hockey, all again – and, like, compounding this, this is all against teams that we effing hate. Like, no offense to to the other divisions, but I don't think that, like, the Columbus Blue Jackets and Florida Panthers care about each other that much. Like – Whereas, like, every team in this division, like, throw them all into a goddamn river. What do I care? Like, I, I like there's just so the much. The one I care about the least is the Buffalo Sabres. And even them, I still have some residual hate from the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. That, that series in, in, in 06. Like, fuck those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the Canadian teams, maybe there's some hate. Yeah, that's all just yeah because for of sure. Yeah, that's, that's national how, pride. how it is there. Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to kill Toronto, and then Toronto's like, okay, well this year Toronto's like okay well we'll just kill you guys too and but but also right like, now they the, care the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights are on and I don't think anybody's gonna be harboring like a ton of resentment after this game yeah exactly exactly and I mean maybe like at the end of the year it'll be different like you know things like this form rivalries and you know that's fun that's good for the game even if you don't want to have to do it this way it's fun and good for the game maybe in five years uh Vegas Golden Knights fans will be saying man I hate the Minnesota Wild and I have that season to thank for it. This is nice. But, like, I, like we have so much hatred built up already, and it comes out every other night. Like, I feel like when you have an 82-game season, three games against the other conference, um, four games against each team in your – you still have – or you have four games against each team in your division, but still two-thirds of your games are against teams that, like, you don't see all the time. And – you have breaks between games to sort of process things, be able to put things into context, put things, you know, like put put things in perspective. You don't have that this season because every game, like every other night, it's a game against some team that you want to just fucking strangle. And if you don't beat them, <laughs> like the sky is effing falling. And I like I said, I, 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 I like to think I do a better job than most people like no, no offense to anyone here, like. You look at Twitter after a game and, like, people are going nuts. And you know what? After a game, like, the you, I think we as fans have a grace period between the end of a game and, like, midnight to sort of lose our shit and say whatever we need to. And then, you know, you wake up the next day and you're like, okay, you know what? That lost. That sucked. Let's move on. But, like, I feel like that grace period needs – is, like, 
it's getting longer this year because yes. we, like and when you have so little time between games that's it's just like a recipe to drive us all nuts it's like instead of 12 midnight it's going until 12 noon yeah and with how tight this division is like you look at those standings that we were talking about like everyone is really close right now except the islanders i guess and like is there much value looking at the standings with 35 games left no probably not but like it's it's just like because any team has one good or one bad week and their position totally changes but how close that all is right now and knowing that five good teams are here and one of them isn't going to make it and is definitely going to be sitting at home while some team that's worse than them in another division is going to make it like it's all like everything just builds together here to make this all so combustible and like god help me what the conversation over the last 24 hours would have been if they had not come back in that game last night oh my god i mean you'd be talking there'd be mass pandemonium there'd be people calling for like av's head there. yeah i mean the trade the trade calls have already been like mm-hmm. they've been there since the off season oh yeah but they've just been getting increasingly worse especially as we keep seeing names floated out there uh on the defensive side where the flyers mm-hmm. really need as much help as they can get for sure. and i think there would have been people just out in the streets, pandemic be damned, begging Chuck Fletcher to make any sort of trade. Would you say Chucky needs to make two trades to make mm, this team? One better? could argue that. Mm, one could yeah. argue that. Jo- Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine. Yeah. Most necessary. Bring him home, Chuck. Bring him, ch- bring him home. Oh South God. Jersey zone. South Jersey zone, Patrick Laine. And- you know, it is known he's from here. We could just throw him up there with Matthias, with Matthias at home as Delco's own. Yeah. <laughs> Proud Delco boy. Loves his Wawa. Mm-mm-mm. Now, it's, yeah, it's just an absolutely bonkers division. Looking at it right now, I mean, they've got two games coming up against the Capitals. And if they could somehow win both those games, then the standings look very different. I really just want them to split that series. That would be just very nice to split it. And I'll be very upset if they don't. Thank God they pulled out the Sabres game though, because when it was, when it was three to one at the end of the first period, we were all just ready to tear our hair out and just, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I don't, I don't want to sound like I thought they were going to come back in that game, but like there were a couple things. So like, one, the Sabres are just in a position right now where they're going to blow everything. And two, it's not even like they were playing that badly that whole game. But again, in the theme of everything must drive us nuts, every defensive breakdown in the first like 25 minutes of that game went in the back of the net. And oh, yeah. Carter, we'll Sam Reinhardt, for some reason, Sam Reinhardt yeah. comes out and it's just having his best. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sam Reinhardt's having a really nice season for the good Sabres. Player, good player. He's probably been, I mean, he's their best player, not named Jack Eichel right now. And, right now, yeah. I mean, at least looking at points. And he was just burying every damn shot. Yeah. And, yeah, but at the same time, like, every defensive breakdown can't end up in the back of your net like that. And I know we'll, we'll talk about Carter Hart later, but it seemed like – it didn't seem like they were playing that badly. Granted, like, defensive coverage is a problem, and they need to address, address things defensively. But also, like, the – if, even if you think you're playing well, like you can't lose that game. Like this division is too tight to lose games to the Buffalo Sabres. And I know you're probably not going to win all eight games against the Buffalo Sabres, but after, like, I guess the thing is after what happened last week, last week and last weekend, you know, you lose the back-to-back Pittsburgh, Washington, you lose three of four last week, two out of three to Pittsburgh. Like 
you really just want to see him come out and do better than that. And I, they got close to blowing this. And, and you know, to their credit, they came out, scored a goal two minutes in. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they'll, you know, grab this one. Maybe we'll get to coast to something here. And then, yeah. you know, they give up those two quick, they give up the one quick goal. I don't remember how much longer it was till the second one, but. It was pretty quick though. It was yeah. like blink and you'll miss it. And I mean, I think the thing for me was my mindset coming in was they had just beaten the Sabres three straight times by three to nothing each time. Yeah. So th- there's an expectation there, especially coming off the stretch they did against the Penguins and Capitals. I mean, mm-hmm. they almost lost all three of those Penguins games. They were very close to losing all three. Mm-hmm. And you're just hoping, okay, this is a take care of business game. Show me something. Take yeah. out the trash. Show me something. Show Please me what it. you got. Yeah, and you you want them to do it a little cleaner than that. And I mean, you know, give them credit. They came back. Like, you know, say what you will about this team. I don't think they, you know, they aren't quitters. You know, they've they've had some meaningful comebacks in this last week. That Pittsburgh game was fun. Uh, this one the was... The Pittsburgh game was fun. And, and it's always good seeing the captain score a couple yeah, times to, uh, that was to great. lead a comeback. That was great. Um, and then, you know, last night they did come back. They need, needed a shootout um, after one of the most infuriating three on three periods I've ever watched. Like the Sabres just playing four corners there for two minutes, making Joel Fer- poor Joel Farabee just stand there. And then, and then the guy still gets the puck, gets a deep, tries to generate a chance. Oh man. But just watching that, I was like, this, this is how we're, f-. it took longer than I thought, but the NHL is finally killing three on three. It's finally NHL sizing three on three. Uh, it's so sad. Three on three is it's been so it's so exciting. One of the like few innovations they brought in in the last few years that mm-hmm. really pumped up the adrenaline in the game. And damn it, I I mourn the RIPD three on three. <laughs> and to be clear, three on three still a funky way to decide who gets an extra standings point. Better than the shootout, but still a kind of funky way. But also infinitely more entertaining than the shootout. Oh, for sure, for sure. So you know, when when some lose some. As long as you're not Nolan Patrick, who actually did a thing in the shootout. Nolan Patrick scored a. Did a fucking thing last night. Did a thing. <laughs> did one thing. A, a single unit of thing. And hey, and you know, you, you think he should be able to do this, but give give him credit. And I mean, give Elaine Vigneault credit. Like, Nolan Patrick hasn't registered a point since January. Like, a single point since January. Jesus, and I didn't even realize it, it had been that long. I, che- like, I, I, I know. Before this, he had uh, he had five in January and none since then. Yeah, his last one was Jan- oh January twenty sixth. And if you if you put him out there, so I've always been of the of the school of thought that shooter shootout shootout shooter choices are overrated. Like most of these guys have been doing breakaways on goalies their entire life. Like obviously there are some choices that would be better than others, but you know, sort of pick guys and go with it. They all have some skill, but like. If you'd gone with Nolan Patrick, who has not scored a goal since January 21st, who, not, who does not have a point since January 26th, and he hadn't scored, and you lose that game, like, forget about Carter Hart. Like, maybe maybe Elaine Vigneault is galaxy-braining this shit, knowing that <laughs> instead of spending post-game talking about Carter Hart, we'd have just spent the whole post-game talking about Nolan him, him picking Nolan Patrick, who hasn't scored in two months, in the shootout. Because, like, that, you know, it that's a risk and it was a nice nice little shot nice little shot paid off but yeah give him credit for the gamble there if it hadn't worked it would have been bad it did work so you know looks good that's one of those areas where i i like Vigneault a lot better uh because i feel like hackstall and again like saying Vigneault is better than hackstall is you know saying like oh chocolate and peanut butter taste good together it's it's wow. no but oh wow but it's 
that's one thing where Vigneault, like, he always is a little more creative in his shootout choices, and he'll give guys chances where Hackstall felt like he put the same three guys out there and it barely ever worked. Giroux would have, like, a really fancy shot go in every now and then. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. Like, yeah. Claude Giroux would pull out all the works and it'd be amazing. Great. But last night he throws Sean Couture out there, and believe me, that's not a stretch of the imagination. No. And, but then to throw Nolan Patrick out there, and, man... That's got to be the best shot I've ever seen Nolan Patrick take. That was a nice shot. Was yeah, put that right where it had to be. Fantastic shot. Yeah. Put that right where it had to be over that guy. But yeah, cr- credit to Vigneault. I mean, Vigneault, uh, he has not gotten, I think he's gotten a lot more shit this year and probably justified yeah, compared to last not year. But it, not unfairly. Yeah, not unfairly. But that was one area where he really did come through last night. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what else happened in that game? Um, we didn't talk about Scott Lawton getting um getting <laughs> suplexed. <laughs> Poor Flip Cup Lawton over there, man. <laughs> like, that that's a ballsy move by Lazar to just take Scott Lawton and flip him completely over at center ice. I, I was And no one saw it this. happen. I, like, I can't think of an happen. explanation other than no one saw it happen. Because, like, no one in the Flyers was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? No one on, like, none of the refs saw it. I have to think that would get called. Um, who I knows? would think NHL a trip at the very least. Like, yeah, I, I, they don't have two minutes for suplexing, but, like, interference or tripping, um, I don't know. Like, you could call something there. That's That was wild. Like, I, like I had to watch the replay there a couple times. Like, yo, did he really do that? It's like, it's just so out of the run of play. It's, like, not a hockey hit. It's just throwing a dude to the ground head first. Like, how is that – it okay. didn't even feel like it was out of malice or hate or anything. No, it just, just felt like, like a I'm weird thing bored. he did. He was like, well, I can pick him up and flip him over here. Might as I'm well do it. I'm on the Buffalo Sabres and I'm frustrated with it. <laughs> what do I have to lose? The answer is nothing at all. None of the Sabres have much to lose at this point. They're all. No, they're, I, they're I, I a kinda, sad, sad I kind of thought Kruger was going to get fired today. I, I know they're all kind of waiting for it. I, 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 I thought that was coming today. I guess not. Yeah, I guess not. But, I mean, again, what does it matter? You might as well just let them ride it out because who gives a shit? They've lost eight in a row at this point. And mm-hmm. that, that was part of the frustration, too, last night. Yeah. The fact that coming into this, that team had lost seven in a row. They were playing without their best player in Jack Eichel. It, it just seems like... And their goalies are all just scrubs. They're not, they're not NHL caliber mm-hmm. goalies. So, no. it really... I would have been pissed if the Flyers didn't score four goals even if the it was a game where they had to score four, four goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, Eichel missed that game, and that, so that situation's really boiling over there. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to... Like, I, I don't... You think he's actually getting traded? I think at some point he's getting traded. I think I think they may be past the point of no return there. I don't think it's going to happen during the season, though, like, you know, if you're a team trading for him, you will probably want him for an extra playoff run. But, you know, I mean, the, the two teams that I think have been linked to him the most are the Rangers and the Kings, and I don't think either of them is making the playoffs this year. So if you're them, you maybe wait it out. Like, you know, pad your draft spot. Like, don't bring him in just to single-handedly ruin your draft spot. Like, slot by a couple places and, you know, wait it out. But it, it, it kind of seems like it, doesn't it? I don't know. Like, I don't know what they could do between now and... And like next, if if there are if he does want out, and there are rumblings that it sounds like he does, nothing nothing real concrete that's been reported yet, but there are rumblings that he wants out. Like I don't know what you could do to convince him otherwise, because I mean they 
you know, they went out and got Taylor Hall last last offseason. You know, that hasn't quite worked out, but that was a move. And they that, signed Skinner before that. Yeah. And I mean, they gave him a lot of money. And like these moves, it's it, I guess it's one thing to show you're trying. Like you said, they gave Skinner a ton of money. They gave Hall one year, but a lot of money. And but at some point, those moves have to work. Like what have the Sabres done in the last decade that's worked? Like they tanked to, they successfully tanked to get Jack Eichel, and even that wasn't a success because they wanted Connor McDavid. And I mean, granted, you tank that year knowing you're going to get one of those two guys, solid consolation prize, sure. But the only things they've done right in these past few years are get Jack Eichel and win a lottery to get Rasmus Dahlin, who is also not having a great year. But that, no. but like, that's low on the list of concerns there for them, I think. Um, but. They're not. I mean, they've taken a lot of chances. They've gone through. I think we were talking about this in Slack the other day. When Kruger gets fired, he'd be the fifth coach that they've fired since Lindy Ruff was let go. I think in 2013. And and Lindy Ruff had been there for he'd been there. Ever. I think like 15 years or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but I think that's about. I think that's about right. That's and about yeah, right, yeah, they've hired five coaches since then. None of them have lasted more than two seasons. And I and you know it, it's. I don't know. Are, are they just not giving guys enough time? Are they just really bad at picking these people? Is Terry Pagula just like, is he just like a bad owner? I don't know. Like there's there, everything there sucks. So I guess to answer the question, I see why Jack Eichel would want to leave, you know? Oh yeah. They're under no obligation to trade him because he's there for five, six more years for 10 mil a pop. But if he's, you know, if he's saying, get me out of there and I, I don't know what he'd do to, get his way out of there other than ask and you know technically they don't have to honor it but if if he doesn't want to be there you probably move him right yeah i I would think so and you're gonna get a huge haul for him i mean he's got he i would certainly if i was an nhl gm i would certainly perceive him as having an attitude problem as being a potential locker room issue but he's an amazingly talented hockey player it and could who be. knows what he would do in a, a proper system with proper yeah i mean uh, maybe maybe he's him. a dick i don't know but also like if you've been on the buffalo sabers for 6 years you'd probably become a dick too you know That's like true. what's what's the thing the kids say like i'm going to become the joker like maybe jack eichel has progressively become the joker over the last 6 years and now you can only go needs- to Dave and Buster so much. <laughs> Gotta take in the ambiance and the decor. <laughs> Deep cut there. Deep cut for that one. I absolutely adore that Marshawn Lynch at Dave oh, and Buster's Marshawn video. Lynch. It's, it's, it's just a classic to this day. Got off so the plane, good. thought he was getting out of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> was, I mean, if I'm Eichel, I'm dying to get out. I'm dying to get out and... I, I I know they're going to get a haul if they trade him. So it is worth yeah. it for the Sabres if they get the right deal. And it's one of those, it's pretty much ideal for them as far as you know, just kind of sitting back and waiting for a great deal to come in because mm-hmm. what, what do they care? It's not like they're going to make the playoffs if they trade him right. or if they don't trade him. Yeah. And I mean, it like the question is, do you think you can put together a contending team during the remainder of his contract? Because like right now they're weighed down by a couple big deals, and then they, you know, just don't have much more that they're working with. Some decent, some decent young players like Darlene is probably good. How good is anyone's guess? But he's probably good. Uh, the guy Cousins who played last night, um, he's solid. But you know, can you build a contender around him over the next? I think his contract runs five more years. I mean, 
you should be able to say yes. Like a, a team in their situation should be able to build a contender in five years, but he may justifiably think these guys haven't shown me they can do this. And if, you know, if, if that's the case, then you maybe just nuke it and start over. I don't know. And like, it's, it's tough to say that. Cause you know, when you get a guy like Jack Eichel, you don't give him up for reasons of not losing a guy like Jack Eichel, but maybe they don't have a choice. I don't know. It seems like everything's just poisonous there. Like people, people talked about the flyers a couple years ago when like hack can, when Hextall and hack got fired, they're like, this is, things are like poisonous here. There's something like something off. Something smells rotten. Like this is something smelling rotten in Buffalo. And like, yeah. they're, they're in a toxic waste. dump. No, <laughs> no offense to Buffalo. Never been. I've heard it's fine. They have good hot wings. All offense to Buffalo. Yeah. This is just, we're just talking trash on Buffalo for the rest of this. With the it ambian- seems bad. It, their ambiance and decor is not, it's just not enough, guys. It's just not enough. It's just not enough. It's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. It seems bad. It seems like a bad situation. I would expect him to get traded. And I hope it's not the Rangers that said they're going to commit a lot of money to two they players got... if he does go to the Rangers between Breadman and Eichel. Yeah, but at the same time, like, you know, the one thing the Rangers need is another center and i mean yeah like you get jack eichel you sort of worry about what happens otherwise later and i mean they it sucks but they have the depth to make a trade like that and even probably with it out giving up a guy like lafreniere like they can they can swing they have the pieces to swing a trade they, like it give up right it would hurt to give up some of the guys they give up but they've built the prospect depth where they can do that and you know them and like them and the kings are the two where it's like there's a fit and like there's a you know a roster fit and there's like a fit in terms of prospect depth to give to the Sabres. So it's probably one of them. And if you're the Sabres, maybe you say f you, buddy. We're not like I'm not trading you where you want to go because there are rumors he's wanted to go to New York. And maybe they also don't want to trade him within conference or division. I wouldn't uh, go Kings. Go yeah, Cartman. all in favor yeah. of the Kings in this one. We'll <laughs> yeah. we'll see how that plays out because I. I don't. I don't see an end to that. It might be the draft this year. It might be never. Who, Who knows? knows? Who knows? There's there's literally no way to know. But a a saga that has been going on much longer than the Jack Eichel saga is the goaltending saga in Philadelphia, mm. which unfortunately, <laughs> thank you, thank you, seems to be opening a new chapter right now, and th- this really sucks because I felt so confident after the playoffs last year. That hey, not. goalie's not going to be an issue for a while. We're going to feel real good about goalie for a while, and Carter Hart is just having a rough go of it and breaks my heart. Yeah, this is it's it's hard. Like goalies are subject to weird spells like this. Um, his has lasted the entire start of the season, and that's that sucks, man. Like it, it's just not what you want. He's, I think, and it'd be a two-month stretch. Any other season where it's like, okay, it's a long season, we can work this out, but because of this compressed season, yeah, they're they're forty percent of the way through the season. Like, I I think I I was listening to the main pod earlier, and Charlie said, like, odds are at this point, even if he turns it around, unless he's like Vesna caliber the rest of the way, we're probably going to look upon this year as like the Carter Hart down year, and hopefully, it's the only one because I mean, there's no real backup plan here i can't imagine that they end up looking for another goalie this offseason or anything like that but like ideally this is just the down year that goalie that every goalie inevitably has at some point rather than the start of something bad yeah yeah it's it hasn't been good i mean we talked about that game 
last night, uh, I guess, if you're listening on Thursday, on Tuesday night. And, you know, he yes, the defense is letting him down. The defense isn't playing well. Also, sometimes the goalie's got to stop shots. Sometimes the goalie's got to stop hard shots, you know. And I, I, I feel like I have major imposter syndrome when I talk about goalies because, like, I'm just not that good at, like, talking about what goalies are doing from a technical perspective and the phrase you probably read a million times on your timeline last night was like he made himself look small or he made himself small on a lot of those goals but like it seems like guys are getting a lot of room on that high glove side and i know like this is true of every goalie if you can put a shot on that high glove side usually it's pretty hard for them to stop especially if you place it well but he's getting beat there a lot and a lot i i think he's he should have the ability to adjust there, but, you know, you overcompensate for something and then something else opens up and you just got to hope that it doesn't all snowball. Yeah, and I, we're very fortunate that Elliot has been so solid this year and it is nice in some respects that you have a guy like Elliot here who isn't a mm. major contender, not a guy who's saying, put me out there, I'm going to be the guy for the rest of the way. Ryan Elliott knows what he is. He is fully aware he's the backup on this team. Which is why it's so important to get Carter Hart mm. right. And not only that, like, you have to play Elliott like the backup. We have we have three years of evidence that suggests if you play Brian Elliott more than, like, once, twice a week max, like, he will break. And you've got – and, like, hopefully that keeps them – like, hopefully they stick to that and it, it gives them a chance to, like, give Carter a chance to find his rhythm. Because, like, the thing I keep coming back to, it was – it was what I talked about last season, which at this point was like 63 years ago in October of 2019, when Carter, it's easy to forget, he got out to a bad start that year too. Granted, it was a shorter bad start, but he got out to a bad start then, and it was what I said a couple weeks ago after he had that um, after he had that awful game in Tahoe. Like, what's the alternative? Like, there's no, there's no roadmap to success here for the Flyers that doesn't involve Carter Hart being at least solid. Like, you can win like you can win if he's solid. You can't win if he like just keeps playing like this, but also there's no other plan. Like Brian Elliott is not going to take 60% of your starts and post an above average save percentage and stay healthy and be fresh in the playoffs. Like those things are just not all going to happen. It's just not it's how not any of this happen. works. That's and like a we've fantasy known for world, a start, if you're thinking that's going to happen, it just will not happen. And like Carter Hart his true talent level is surely above what we've seen from him so far this year. And the remaining 60% of this season, it would be stunning if it is not better than the first 40% we've seen. That being said, like how much better is it going to be? How long will it take him to get better? And you know, is this, is this just not, is this just not his year? Like me and that would suck. And it would suck for him because he's due up for a contract this summer. And if you looked at his contract situation last off season, you'd have thought he was about to get paid and oh, yeah, after this season, now he's probably going to get, like, a bridge deal of some sort. Like, that will still give him another chance to get paid big down the road. But, you know, it, it was it was, it was was interesting because I remember looking and talking about this at the off se- in the offseason. And the Flyers had a chance to do something really rare, which was sign a goalie to a long-term contract that wouldn't suck. Because if you sign Carter Hart to, like, a seven-year deal next – like, that would take place after next offseason – when it finishes, he'd be 30 years old. And like, that's not, you know, that's not young, but you hear about goalie contracts being terrible because they take a guy into like his mid thirties. Carter Hart 
if he played if he you know played out a seven year contract after this one, he'd be thirty years old. You could give him another contract that may not blow up in your face. And it seemed like they really had a chance to make that all work. And now like now they're prob now I don't think the Flyers are going to want to give him a long term deal. And I think he, after the season he's had, would know his negotiating position in one of those contracts would not be great. So like, you know, may just be back to the drawing board here. And yeah. Ideally he you know turns it all around but like it, it just the timing just sucks for everyone and like this is the and tying into the season of or tying into the theme of this season is designed to make us all crazy like this of course is a season where 15 bad games oh crap we're almost halfway through the season already how are we almost halfway through this season that's wild to me i i i well and i was saying this i believe i was saying this with steph where everybody's equilibrium equilibrium is kind of thrown off because mm -hmm. typically at this time of the year, we're preparing for the playoffs. We are mentally ready mm -hmm. for the playoffs at this time of year. And now, I mean, we're halfway through the season, but there's still a lot to go. Yeah. And T today, a year ago was the last game the flyers played before the season was paused. It was today, a year ago. And we were thinking, and like, they were, man, they were like rolling up. They were a week or so away from grabbing first place in the division. We we're like, man, what are they going to do in the playoffs? Are they going to, you know, uh, I don't know. It's I can't believe how long ago that was. And you're right. Like, you know, this is not the time of the year where we're used to this. And I mean, I, I think we're mentally capable of just pushing stuff back. But also, you know, you're right. And Steph is right. Like, this is all just different for all of us. And it's weird that there's still there's still 35 games left and also 35 games left like is more than half the season. Everything is just so thrown off. It's really weird. I don't understand it at all. I What I'm hoping is, I, I'm just hoping we haven't broken Carter Hart already. Mm -hmm. I know Philly fans have a bad reputation. We just went through a whole quarterback thing with the Eagles. I'm hoping we haven't broken Carter Hart already. The quotes from last night, these are from uh, Charlie's article in The Athletic. Mm -hmm. Hart said, I'm just trying to stop the puck. Right now, I'm not, plain and simple. I just need to find a way to get back on track because I'm not playing well. I know it. Everyone knows it. It's hard right now. I just need to find more ways to stop pucks. Just go out and play, not overthink things, and just trust my game. I don't know. It's just shitty right now. I don't feel like myself, and I've got to find a way to get back to playing the game that I love and trusting the game that I've built. This is a guy who's really just down on himself right now, and I don't know if we have to throw him a surprise party or what, Bake him a sheet cake. Get John Stevens in here. Get mm -hmm. that man a sheet cake. Mm -hmm. Whatever we got to do to bring Carter Hart's spirits back up, let's do it. Yeah, I, I hate and to I mean, read these quotes. I hate to see them. And like, like it, it sucks. Like I, I haven't broken down every individual stretch he's had in this time, but like the dude hasn't had a below average season in whatever league he was in since he was like 13 years old. And that's not to say he hasn't had bad stretches in those seasons. I'd guess he's had some where he's looked human, but you know. They're all on display right now here at the game's highest level. Some guys beat you sometimes. A stretch like this was to some degree inevitable. We just sort of hoped it would never happen because it doesn't really happen to him. At the same time, he's always seemed like a guy who had a pretty good head on his shoulders. And um, and he, you know, learns, he adjusts, he takes well to coaching. I, you know, the, the quotes suck. Like the quotes, you don't want to read that. You don't want to hear him saying that. You don't want to hear him thinking that out loud. It's, it's a bummer. It's a real bummer. Um, yeah. A I'm bummer not, is the right like, way to put it. I think that when Hart got out to a bad start, this, when he had like 
a bad first few games. Like I remember he had that first Buffalo game, the one like the Flyers first loss of the season where they got blown out. And he had a couple more bad games that one or two more bad games that week against like Boston or someone like that. And I think we were talking like someone asked, like, how concerned are you about Carter Hart? And I'm like, if it's like a one to 10, I'm at like a 1.5, a two, because like it's four games. It doesn't matter. You ask it again now, and you're probably at like four, five. That's where I don't I'm know. About five. Like, again, it, it, it's it depends, crept up on it me. It depends on concerned to what degree. Like short term, the concern is, you know, is he going to turn around in time for the Flyers to make the playoffs? And is he going to turn around to the degree that they can be a serious contender in the playoffs? Long term, like he's not this long term, but if there's a long term question, it's does this force you to re-examine what his ceiling is and like if you thought before that Carter Hart would be like a top 10 goalie in the NHL and now you think he may be like a top 15 goalie and that matters like that's not nothing and you don't you maybe don't want to lock into a top 15 goalie long term the same way you do a top 10 goalie but that's fortunately that's a conversation we can afford to have after the season short term though like again is he going to turn it around how soon and to what degree like it's we don't know because we haven't seen an extended sucky period from him like this, like this from him in a while. Like he, he had a bad, like I said, he had that bad start to the season last year. He turned it around after that, but this has been a longer bad stretch than that one was. And he hasn't other than that shutout last week against Buffalo. He hasn't really shown like any, he hasn't, it hasn't gotten a whole lot better since that Tahoe game, which was, I think, the the nadir of the whole thing. Like that was, yeah, that I think was, was as bad as it's going to get. It hasn't been that bad since then, but it hasn't been good, and it's no. it's got to get better. There's there's no like there's no plan B. There's no plan B here. He has. To there's be no better. plan B. Brian Elliott, while younger than me in real life, in hockey terms, he might as well be sixty five. He might as well be on the verge of retirement. He is there's, an old there's man no, in hockey. There's no plan, Brian. Okay, it's not happening. And they're not trading for anybody. That's this one position they're not going to trade for. Yeah. They're, they're, if they're trading for anybody, it's on defense. And that's yes. the only thing I can fathom them trading for. Unless it's another Nate Thompson-esque player. But please, for the love of God, uh, don't do that again, Chuck. No, don't do that. No, I don't want, I don't want nasty names. I'll just ride out Bunneman, whatever. Anybody, any scrub from the bottom. Put Eric Gustafson on the wing on the fourth line, like the... Initial projections from last night. I don't yeah, care. Just that. no more Nate Thompsons. No more Derek Grants. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't want that. As far as the guys that are actually on the trade board, the the trade targets that have been rumored out there, the guys that have been mentioned, there's not a ton of names out there, but I've seen a few. I talked about Eckholm with Steph last week. Mm-hmm. Burnside mentioned a couple names in Klingberg and Matson that I found really interesting. Oof. John Klingberg Montour's out there, which I'm not. You. And oh, I mean, give me I, Klingberg all day. I I'll, I'll give up a bunch for him. <laughs> I'd be surprised if Dallas trades him. Not floored, but surprised. Like, granted, if the only reason I think Dallas would trade him, because, you know, they they were two wins away from a cup last year. I think they overachieved in the playoffs, but they were still a good team. And this year they've kind of sucked. The only reason I think Dallas trades him is if they say, is if he basically says, hey, y'all, I'm piecing in free agency in two years. Like, I want to go do something different. Or he just has bonkers contract demands that they aren't going to be able to meet and at that point you know you've got a two year and if they try to deal him they think like we're not going to get back there this or next year you trade him you know then you've got a two-year rental and you know you have the same expansion draft conversations with him like considerations there as you do with Ekholm though I think he's a better player than Ekholm which is saying something because Ekholm is good I think Klingberg's better 
And and I think Klingberg's also a better fit for what this team yeah, needs right now yeah, as far as can, that right-hand like, shot, that, that right side defenseman. Yeah, on the Provorov's pair, oh man, that would just that would be a that would just be a fun pairing to watch. And the lack of a Niskanen, I mean, it keeps getting brought up for a reason because mm-hmm. Niskanen was such a stabilizing agent for Provorov mm-hmm. last year. And you can tell they clearly miss that factor on the defense. They are just lost without that stabilizing agent on the Klingberg's top Klingberg's only 28? Wow. I feel like he's been around forever. I know. Jeez. Yeah, go get him. F. Um, but no, like, we, we were talking about this a little bit during the game last night when, again, when we were at, oh, man, they're going to lose to the Sabres portion of the night. And, you know, we were talking about just the various things that have gone wrong here. And, like, yeah, Matt Niskanen was good last year. It seems hard to believe that his absence brought the whole thing crumbling down to this extent, right? Because, like, Ivan Provorov hasn't been good enough this year. I don't think he's been bad, but he hasn't been good enough this year. Certainly isn't what he was last year. And I just... I just find it so hard to believe that Matt Niskin, who clearly helped, and I don't want to undersell him because he was good last year, but, like, was he was he the thing keeping this all together? Like, does everyone slotting up one spot really make it all come crashing down that much? Matt Niskanen is not Chris Pronger. He's not no. Kimo Timonen. He's not that guy who is the cornerstone of your defense at the end of the day. He was right. a really nice piece, but he's not the cornerstone guy. Right, and like they were talking about this on the main on the main pod earlier today. I was listening to it before this, and there's this conversation about you know is Provorov showing that he's not a number one? He's a number two who needs a you know another good defenseman next to him to look like a number one. And like I don't know, is was Matt Niskanen like Matt Niskanen wasn't a number one? And like if someone like him is all you need to make this work in theory, then like you got to be able to get that. Like you got to be able to get a guy who can do what. 35 year old or was he 35 i think i think he might have been 33 whatever age he was like you got to be able to find a guy who can do what he did like i find it so hard to believe you can't find one guy to replace him and then if you get that guy then you can you know sit down and have a real sober evaluation of the guys on this roster like you can look at ivan provorov and say okay like if he gets better here then this is what he is if he doesn't then we have bigger problems you can look at myers and sandheim who get to be like a second pair and don't have to keep sliding up to that. And neither of them has to keep sliding up to that top pair. And you can say, okay, like, are they good enough to be that like dynamite second pair that we thought they could be for the next decade? You can see Shane Goss bear in a third pair role. And frankly, I think ghost has been pretty solid this year. Not, not amazing, but solid. And he's had, he's yeah, had his, solid, cl- I agree. he's had his stretches, had some real bad games last week, but he's also brought a shot shot back this year. Yeah, and he's looked pretty good on the power. Ooh, play that shot that yesterday. That was fun. That was, that oh, was a nice was shot. I, oh, I want one. Of those. I've been loving the past couple of weeks some vintage ghost bombs. It's mm-hmm. been oh, it's been beautiful. Yeah, that that's what he he can bring that shot, man. But like, if it's just a matter of getting one guy to make everything else fall into place, you can't like even if you don't think this team is there. Like even if you don't think this team is quite there, and that one guy doesn't move the needle to make them a legit contender. I think that you have to try and get a guy so you can so you can, you know, properly evaluate everyone else and say like, okay, and then, you know, if you have to lose a guy in expansion, like if you get Ekholm and you lose him in expansion, that sucks. But then you know, okay, we're missing this. Let's go effing get this this offseason. Whatever we have to give up to get it, go get this, and then everything makes sense again. Which is yeah. why I think they've got to be aggressive. And I think they're going to try. I think they're going to try. Now 
if you get a guy like Klingberg, that's that's a chips in move. Like I don't know how many chips they would have to cash in, but like he's a no doubt top pair defenseman. If he's really out there, I think you gotta you gotta try and make that happen. And I don't yeah. get me wrong, I'd like Eckholm too. He's also very good. I would love to see Eckholm. I would love to. I, I mean, Klingberg again. I I don't know if Scott Burnside was just throwing that name out there to see what sticks or what, but. That was an intriguing one to me. That really raised some alarms for me saying, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, okay. That can get behind. Like, you know, the Vince McMahon yeah, uh, yeah. meme where it's just like, like getting various, more and more excited. Mo- like, yeah. yeah. Him reacting in Vince- increased, increased tones. Yeah. Yeah. Not like that, when it's Klingberg, that's me in the back of the chair going like, oh. Over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then, I, yeah. It, it's too perfect. It just, it makes too much sense. It's too perfect. Yeah, that, it won't happen. Nah, that would be no so fun. I would love to see Eichholm, though. I mean, just to see oh, yeah. any sort of him, move you know, to... No it would satisfy the savage, bloodthirsty fan base that has been craving a big move for years now. Mm. And, again, it is a, a real show-me-what-you-got, mm. let's load up for the playoffs, let's see what this team really has Here, kind of move. Here's something, and I remember we had a conversation in Slack, like, a while. This was, like, over a year ago about ads the Flyers made. And I think it was after, I think it was after the trade deadline last year. I may be placing the time wrong. But, you know, the Flyers made two moves at the trade deadline last year that didn't matter if anything made the team worse. And, like, we kind of knew at the time, like, these aren't doing anything for this team. And the thing that I think we ended up trying to come up with an answer with there was, when was the last time the Flyers made an in-season ad that was designed to make the team better and then actually did? Oh, boy. You got to think a while, don't you? And I think when we talked about this, what we landed on and— the fact that this qualifies shows you like how low the bar here. Remember when they traded for Christopher Stieg? Oh my a god, dec- Christopher Stieg. A decade ago and like granted he wasn't amazing, but he was I think he was better than who he replaced. But and all it cost them was a first and third round pick. But I mean, think of think of every trade let me see if I can remember every trade deadline acquisition since then. The year after that there was Grossman who sucked, Kabina who sucked. The year after that they got Steve Mason who ultimately in my opinion worked out, but like he, no one, but there was no guarantee. Oh, at the that time, I thought that was, I thought uh, that was a real dumb move. I thought yeah, me that too. Was like, a, like, don't look up what I, well, I know I've written a lot about what I wrote when the Flyers signed Steve, got Steve Mason, because I was like, I don't think this is going to work. And then it, I think it did work, but like, we didn't know I that was going to work. Year after that, they got Andrew McDonald who sucked. Um, sorry. I don't know. It does. Is there a McDonald? <laughs> I don't know what is, there's the Hague hitman. The McDonald Marauders are not here. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> I love it. Sorry, love that, it. that is a non-existent group. They are not listed on <laughs> any FBI database. They are not showing up. But yeah, so McDonald's bad. Uh, the next year was when they traded Teeman in for draft picks, and they traded Coburn for picks and Radko Gudis. And obviously, obviously, both of those trades worked out. They helped the Flyers get Travis Konechny, but... And Radko Gudis ended up being good, but he was very much a throw-in in that trade to make the roster and pay work, if I remember correctly. Oh, no, that was absolutely the case. They didn't do much in the years after that. They got Val, Fil- or Val Filpola, who also wasn't good. Uh, 2018, they got Morazic, who was supposed to be good, wasn't. 2019, did they add someone that year? I feel like they uh, they added Ryan Hartman, but they traded out Wayne Simmons, so obviously that wasn't going to make the team better. Uh, you get the idea. And then last year was Grant Thompson. Like, the Flyers haven't made a deadline ad that worked, that, like, was clearly designed to make them better. Like, 
even like if you don't count Versteeg, then how far back do you have to go? Like Vili Leno? Did 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 we certainly we didn't know Vili Leno was going to be that good when we got him? But like no, Vili Leno was such a like inconsequential. Or like move Christian Tolfson? Like what? Oof. Yeah, I mean. Every year, though, every year, people keep thinking that Santa Claus is going to appear and have a top six winger for all the good little boys and girls of Philadelphia. Get get Patrick Line, who Philadelphia would love for two games, and then as soon as he doesn't, as soon as he goes three without a goal, everyone would fucking hate his guts. Like a guy 100% like that. Accurate. Oh my god! Yeah. You'd be lucky if you went two period. I mean, the fact that Tortorella was benching him like what two games in something like that. Patrick Line, so don't get me wrong. Good player, like good player, good player, fun player to watch. Like he is very much a player who is more fun to follow on Twitter. And I don't mean literally follow his Twitter account. I don't even know if he has a Twitter, but like follow his ongoings on Twitter than it is to watch him play hockey. Because like you see, he has just like a bonkers shot. Like he can he can shoot the puck like nobody else in the National Hockey League and just put it in places like no one else can. And like if you're if you see that, you're like. Yeah, trade everything to get that dude. And then you don't watch him the other, like, 20 minutes of the game where he doesn't do anything else. And to be clear, like, there are guys who get by on just scoring goals and are, you know, competent enough, like, even just, like, cromulent enough at every other portion of the game to, you know, be a good player, be, like, the player that their goal totals would make you think they are. And, like, I don't know if Patrick Glenn is that. Like, he's not a bad player. He's... Fun to follow along with, but Philly fans would fucking hate that guy at some point. They would hate that guy. Like, I'm looking at his game logs right now. Two goals against Calgary. Zero. One goal against Dallas. Two goals against Carolina. Zero. Zero. One goal against Chicago. Assist. Assist. Zero. Two goals and an assist against Chicago. Nothing. 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 I just remembered he was in Columbus now. Remember when we were yeah. talking about, you know, it's it's so nice to just not have to care about the Columbus Blue Jackets. No offense. Oh, no offense, it's so Ohio. nice. I, I, Moder- I, I, moderate all offense. offense. Moderate all offense, offense man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, exactly. Seven seven games without seven a point games. here. Eight out of Nothing. nine. And granted, in the one, he had two goals and an assist. But, like, he's like he he's a goal scorer, but he's streaky. Like, he's a streaky goal scorer. And that's not a bad thing. But, like, the people who think that the Flyers can find that sniper out there, like, it's easy to forget. Goal scorers like fall in one of three categories. They're either streaky, they're not streaky because they're not existent, or they're not streaky because they're Alex Ovechkin who scores every other day. Like right. that's that's all of them. Like David Pasternak is maybe creeping up into that category. Austin Matthews is maybe creeping up into that category. Guess what? Those guys don't get traded. Like none of those guys are getting traded. No. And it, yeah, sorry, we, we went on went on a tangent there about Patrick Line. Um, he's he's good. I just don't want the fire and like. He's a guy who you would have to give up more than what I think he is worth to get him. Oh, you'd have to give up a ton, and you would give up guys that you would regret giving up. Like, there's a lot of moves I look back at in the past few years. Uh, Braden Shen, for instance. Like, you look back at Braden Shen, and that's a trade I still make every time, even not knowing how Farabee works out, which I would trade Braden Shen for Farabee straight up, even having to put up with Laterra for a year and a half. Mm. And it's... It's a no-brainer to me, but, like, there's so many guys, like, Konechny comes up as a potential guy you would have to trade for line. And I know Travis Konechny has not been yeah. who he wanted him to be so far this year, but, I mean, he's he's a great player, and he's definitely a, long, like, a long-term like a long guy that I want on the Flyers. And he's, like, 
you know, gun to my head, you forced me to pick. I, you could probably convince me Patrick Line is a better player than Travis Konechny. I'm not sure, like, but he makes more money than Travis Konechny right now, and he's going to get a big raise at some point in the near future. Like, if you're telling me he's, like, three, four million dollars a year better than Travis Konechny, I ain't buying that. Like, I just I ain't, ain't buying, buying that. that. And I'm not saying it's necessarily Konechny that's getting traded in like a deal like that, but he gets brought up a lot for the guy you would have to give up or the caliber of guy that you would have to give up. I mean, what what I remember, what was the report for when the Flyers called about line A? I think it was, they asked about Provorov and Konechny and it was like, uh, yeah. No. Oh yeah. That was the report. And it's like, yeah, no. If you ask now about, Pro- no, I'm still not making that trade. No. And he's due up. I think line A's got, oof, I think one more year. I think year he's got one on more year. Contract. Yeah, there's I mean, there's no way for us to know. Um, But yeah, he he's going to get he's going to get a lot of money. And I I just don't know. Like, I wouldn't give up what is requisite to make that happen. No, absolutely not. Um, Yeah, he is due. Yeah, he. Oh, no, he's due up this summer. Oh, he makes less than I thought he did right now. Never mind. But he is due up this summer. He had a two. He had a two year like 10 mil deal. Okay, what's he making right now? Uh, four point nine nine five million. Oh, he's getting a big raise over that. Yeah, and I don't even. Like, yeah, and, you know, guys who score goals get paid money, and like he can score goals. Don't get me wrong. Like, good again, good player. Um, and I sort of went on a tangent here because I think Flyers fans like def- Flyers fans definitely like the idea of Patrick Line more than they would like Patrick Line. Now, if we're talking about an Ekholm, yeah, then you know. Go get that, because that's a guy who would make a difference. Oh, a big difference maker on this team. He, that that fills a need. That fills a need. Well, and this team, I think everybody can agree, this team is struggling the most on defense right now. Even when Brian Elliott's in there, he's yeah. still getting a ton of great opportunities against him. And Carter Hart, for all his struggles, would still be doing much better if the defense wasn't giving up as many egregious chances. That they yeah, for that. sure. For sure. Like, again, he needs to be better. Defense ain't helping. Like, no, I, I don't think anyone's denying that. It's 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 all rough. Everything sucks. Now, Kurt, do, do you think Chucky two trades? Is he making this deal? Is he getting a defenseman? He, at the I would be shocked if he did not get a defenseman. Now, if if like Ekholm is the dude, if Ekholm is the one dude, then they're going to have to fight off some other teams to do it. And you know, maybe they look at this team and say like, this isn't the time. But if this isn't like, what is? You've got. You've got this and next year where your Selkie winning top line center is making $4 million against the salary cap. Like this is your window because then after that, something sucky is going to happen. And Claude Giroux is also doing a new contract and he's getting older. Voracek, you know, JVR who's helping keep you afloat this year. You know, the top end of your forward core with the exception of Konechny and to a degree Couturier is mostly older right now. Well, Farabee's in that group now, excuse me. But, you know, you've got the three – the three big guys at the top of the lineup there who are all still producing at a decent rate, like are getting older. And if this isn't, if this isn't a year you push some of those chips in and try, like, I, I don't know. I think, I think Chucky knows he's got to try. And I mean, you look, you watch how the off season unfolded and I kind of thought like, okay, so are they just not, they're just not taking chance. They're just not going to take a chance here. Hope that what they hope that, you know, throwing a bandaid on will work. You read what's been written, what was written at the time. And since then, and it seems like, Fletcher clearly tried. He tried during the offseason to make a move. It sounded like he tried to get like a TJ Brody contract was too rich. Okay. He tried to get like Nate Schmidt or I don't know why that all didn't work out. I would have made that deal, but conversation for another time. Um, He tried to make some moves there by all accounts and it just didn't work out. 
And if that and it's and then you know maybe he says okay we'll go into the season we'll get this dude who was good for like half a season a few years ago and we'll see if it works out. It didn't work out. You know what? Nope. You tried. You tried, and you're still in the playoff race even though you swung and missed. Cool. Go fucking get something. Like you got to do something. You have to. You have to try again. A to show this core that like you you're willing to give it a shot. B to you know show this fan base you're willing to give it a shot and see to evaluate as we were talking about earlier to evaluate the guys that you have here like to get that one guy that in theory puts everyone in their spot so then even if you lose him you can say okay now we know what we need we know what we're missing we know what makes the whole thing work and it's this like you you gotta try and it would suck to trade for a guy like that and then miss the playoffs because you're in this division i get it but you gotta try i think you've got to try I think you have to try too, and you know we're we're talking about how fucky the fucky for lack of a better term <laughs> the overall timeline is on this season. Yeah, there's another month until the NHL trade deadline. That's which crazy. Is, it's crazy. No, we're used to the NHL trade deadline being two weeks ago at this point. It's on. And, it's it's like on the day the playoffs usually start. <laughs> right. So we have another month to go, and we're already thinking like the Flyers gotta make a trade tomorrow. They got there's another month. There's, we could be doing this for a whole other month, and I will probably lose my shit. At least I'm getting a vaccine soon, so I can go outside again. But uh, that's uh, nice. A little bit, you know. That's one of the few nice things that's happened lately, so or yeah. will happen. So hooray, hooray for little things. Not to brag, folks, about flex. getting a new. There we go. Big flex. Being in a state where eventually you get. It. I believe, I was despairing yeah, until yesterday, and then Pennsylvania just, like, ain't been it ain't been great, but I'm, no, I'm glad no. you know. But, obviously, happy for the people who are able to get it right now. Philadelphia residents, check your email. Yeah. You might have a pleasant surprise in there, like I did last night. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! It's silly, silly of me to pretend that, and you know, I don't want to veer too far off course here. Um, I hope that Flyer, you can veer as far. Yeah, off course I hope as you that the to. Flyers. I hope that like the organization is like doing what it can to get the people who are working in that arena who want to get a vaccine. I hope they're working to do everything they can to get those people their vaccines. Cause like, I still like, I, I, you know, I think you guys had a good conversation about fans being back in the arena last week. And I mean, I believe that I'm sure they're doing what they can there. It also still just all makes me nervous. And like I'm so nervous. for no one more than the people that are working there trying to do their jobs. Cause like, you know, some asshole is yelling at them. Like they're there, you know, the ones who have to go around and say, Hey, yo, mask up over your nose. And, Someone surely in that crowd of 3,000 people is being a dick to them. And, I, you know, I just hope they're looking out for those people. I really I wonder, hope so. And wonder, it, we still, we still haven't heard much about – we still haven't heard much about – because there was that rumor back in like November that the NHL was going to try and jump the line for vaccines. And that quickly and thankfully got shot down. And like now I wonder, like when are those guys – I mean they're, you know, for the most part able-bodied – men in their 20s and 30s i mean some of them have qualifying medical conditions and you know those guys hopefully they do go get their vaccines sooner rather than later but you wonder everyone else like are they just going to be like are they going to get it when when it's open for general population like are these if they're and if they're still playing are there guys who may say like i'm not going to do this yet because i don't want to feel like shit for a day or two in the middle of a playoff race because you know there are side effects to be clear to be clear I didn't even think about that. <laughs> get your fucking vaccine. I don't get like, yeah, vaccine. you may, you may, 
you may feel a little may feel a little sick for a day. It doesn't matter. Get your vaccine. It's worth it. Like that that means it works. That shit means it works, guys. Sorry. I'm, yes. I'm not a doctor. This is but... not a podcast for anti-vaxxers no, here. This no. is absolutely if... not a safe space for you folks. No, you're you're all horrible. You're all just absolutely terrible. Um but yeah, it, get get your vaccine. But I you do wonder like are there guys who may say like, eh, you know, I'm not I don't want to risk feeling like crap for 2 days during a playoff run. And like, just wait until later. And I don't know. Again, this is sort of a sidebar here. Like the people, like I said, the people who have to deal with boorish fans at a sporting arena, I'm concerned about that. Like, I hope that I hope that the organizations are doing what they can for those folks. Wasn't that the Flyers though? Don't they have to do- deal with boorish fans at a sporting arena? Mm, yeah, true. No, and it's it's all justified, folks. The booze are all justified. Didn't hear nearly enough. Shoot, I didn't hear nearly enough people yelling "shoot" in those first two games. So, like, I don't know why we're bringing fans back at all. Honestly, I you know what's if you're not the yelling point? "shoot," I don't understand. why are you there? Because <laughs> that power play, Lord knows, someone needs to tell that power play to shoot the goddamn. Punch. I goddamn power play. Every time you think it can't get worse, it gets worse, and I I can't fathom it. Ugh. Yeah, Kurt, I didn't even think about the fact that some guys might be saying, I don't want to get a vaccine because I don't want to miss a game feeling bad. Like, I didn't even think about that. And that's just the most hockey thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And, you know, some of them will probably play through it because they're hockey people and they're crazy. And, you know, that'll be the stuff of legends where some dude, like, had the had the shits because he got a vaccine last night and then scored a hat trick and was like, yeah, <laughs> vaccine, <I'm>... shits. <laughs> vaccine shits. It's a thing. It's probably not a thing. Again, not a doctor. Please don't listen. To Everybody remembers the vaccine shit game of 2021. <laughs> God, five men. And ha- <laughs> this guy had a hat trick while having diarrhea. <laughs> His chapped ass was never happier. <laughs> Uh, I, a, if I could name this episode the the diarrhea game, I, I definitely would. But I'm sure that Apple Podcasts would have a severe pro- Apple Podcasts wouldn't let me name. Yeah, what was it? What was the one that didn't let you? The, the birthday, birthday suit. suit. Yeah, Canadian yeah. birthday suit. Yeah, yeah. That's, it wouldn't let me on, use man. Canadian birthday suit. They actually pulled the episode for that, and I had to rename it. So oh. it's. <laughs> For Which is just insanely silly. It's so silly. What was the can? I feel like I should remember this. What was the Canadian birthday suit referring to? I've no idea. Okay, sweet. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> Fly Purbly is so destroyed my memory that I cannot even think back on the the many many references <laughs> over the years. I I don't remember what I said last week. At this point, let alone. Oh. God, damn. God damn it. I'm blaming The Bachelor for it. I, and apologies. I don't have a batch update again this week. But eventually I, 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 wa- I watched this week's episode. Um, they they had they had the they had the fantasy suites. There was almost certainly some boning. Um, and then at the end, he and there was one girl who cried because she was like, wow, you're going on these dates with these other girls. And I don't like that. And. I'm sitting here saying, wow, then why are you on this show? It seems like that's I, I feel like you have to be kind of prepared for that. Right. And then right, he what, kept her. Did you not look at the, the other girl? And I don't know. Like, I I have not watched every episode of this season. Uh, my wife watches it and I've seen some episodes. And like, I I don't know. This, this guy sucks. He sucks. Sorry. It, sound, it seems like he sucks. And it seems like everyone on the show sucks. And from what I gather, now Chris Harrison sucks, too. Shut it down. So that's the batch update. Uh, sorry, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I, I didn't come prepared for that. Uh, that's but, okay. I, I didn't either. It's not in the notes. It's not. 
I made a game. I didn't make a batch update. Ooh, so that's yeah. that's what you're getting this week, folks. I'm with, Eventually, I'm, with I'm good with game. Oh yeah, we'll get to the game. But it's that's what you're getting this week, folks. I'm so sorry, but also sorry not sorry because Kurt's on here and, and yeah, Cole Beasley. As a wise philosopher once said, "Sorry, I ain't sorry that I've been on my shit." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. A wise philosopher did not say these things. Cole Beasley did. No, a guy who would always seem to have 11 catches for 69 <laughs> for yards against the Eagles for 34 yards. Easily. Yeah. A man who looks like a miniature kid rock. Well, hey, hey, Buffalo loves Cole Beasley. Buffalo absolutely loves Cole Beasley. Let me tell you, I, I, I married into a family of bills fans. They just <laughs> love that dude. And, <laughs> and Hey, he was good for them last year. What, what, like, you know, jokes on me now. He's, he's finally become a better professional football player than professional rapper <laughs> or wait no all it takes no, is smash no, it through some tables professional rapper wait what shitty rapper had the album called professional rapper um oh, it was no, some I've other some other white guy um i'm looking it up Will dicky oh okay other other shitty rapper okay yeah that's who i'm thinking of all white people are the same sorry don't cancel me um <laughs> okay well lil dicky is a, a local boy too so that he is yeah no, he, I, okay so i will yeah okay i should have remembered that because his songs are not very good the tv show he did last year was actually pretty good much better than it I was thought actually it was, pretty good much better I than i thought it was gonna be honestly rock his bottom rap, expectations still not, still not very good yeah I had rock bottom expectations and found it actually pretty good. Yeah, had its moments. Certainly had its moments. Certainly had its moments. How many tables have you had to smash through? I didn't. I wasn't aware that you're in a Bills family. Um, one broke in our house earlier this year. So like, our, like an outdoor one sort of broke. So I like to think that we didn't break it. No one jumped through it or lit it on fire or anything. But I like to think it was the energy, uh, like Bill's energy. Um, the breaking, spirit of Bill's mafia breaking, breaking the hinge on that, that table. table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bill's mafia, you just can't stop him. Can't stop him, no matter what. <laughs> All right, Kurt. Last yeah. hockey thing I wanted to mention on the night. Okay. So we've been dealing with NBC as long, as far back as I can remember, for our hockey watching needs mm. or versus before versus. that. Versus, oh, forget. Man. Oh, those were the days. Let me tell you, you couldn't even find that channel on a, a cable guide. L- love but... a game editing and watching some hunting shows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I my favorite currently is when you try to find a, a hockey game on and it's the car show. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. The car show. Terrific. Uh, but the worldwide leader is taking back the NHL. ESPN and the NHL have worked out a deal uh, going into effect next year when the exclusive deal with NBC is done because mm-hmm. NBC basically once Doc Emmerich said left said, yeah. we don't really need we're NBC. Not, we're, sports not this. Anymore. we're not feeling this. It's gone. We're sorry. Now they're just kicking games over to like USA network or something like that at the end of the year. Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly what the terms of that deal were, but yeah. Episodes they... of suits. And then the NHL mm-hmm. on the golf and then a rerun like, of wings. It's like, it, I rem- it's always funny. The fir- during normal times, the first round of the playoffs, when there are games on like, cnbc and the golf channel and yes. now like that's just going to be all of the games or i guess the ones that are on e- that aren't on espn yeah correct it's like when the first day of march madness when they have some games on true tv, on true TV. oh yeah known best for jesse ventura's conspiracy theory reality show but <laughs> true tv it's basically like if you took all the true tv games and made that your primary source for watching hockey games that's what we're going to get this year. It's going to be just terrific. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think NBC Sports is supposed to last until the end of the season. Through this season, I believe, yeah. And then I think they're they're ceasing operations by the end of this calendar year, if I remember correctly. Which I always have mixed emotions on this because when the NHL did leave ESPN, it was because they were being ignored. They were on ESPN 8, the Ocho, late at night and barely ever shown. and. It, it sucked. It, it really felt like uh, the sport was marginalized in a way. It, it it was never particularly featured, but it was especially marginalized at the end of its time at ESPN. And NBC came in and said, we'll, we'll feature you. Well, you'll be our main sport. You'll be our headliner. And that felt nice for a while. And then, I don't know. They It felt like they never improved. Like yeah. they never got any better at anything. It was fine. Like they were fine. But it, they were just fine. You know, it could have been... For, for for a headliner, you know, like you said, they you know they were a headliner there. It was their sport, other than like the Olympics, which you know had hockey. But it yeah. could have been better, could have been worse. Like not not all bad, but like you said, once like the personality there, as much as one existed, was Doc Emmerich, and you know now that he's not there, like they, they've they've done okay this year. I do like Mike Tirico. Like he's been you know he's multifaceted in terms of what he can call, and he's done well in hockey games this year. I think he's a very talented broadcaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like he absolutely. is a, a very good professional. And he's not like, I don't know. I feel like Kenny Albert's got like, he's okay, but he's got, I don't know. He's never I like feel like Kenny Albert is always the guy calling like every demoralizing Eagles loss to like yes. the Cleveland Browns. And <laughs> yeah, he, uh, like my, my emotions Johnson with him are, shit. yeah, my emotions with him are, it, it's not his fault. He called, he called like some of those game. Uh, he had some games during like one of those runs earlier this decade where if you go online and watch the highlights, he calls them. So, but yeah, he's, you know, I, I shouldn't hold it against him, but I do. So fuck that guy. Uh, fuck that guy. but yeah, ESPN, it'll be, it'll be, it's interesting to see how that'll go. So you've got, yeah. So you got the terms here. Um, they will have four of the next seven Stanley cup finals. They get one conference final per year and they get to pick which one would. So it, this isn't like a, like an NFL deal with it where Fox gets one conference and CBS gets the other, they get to pick one. Yeah, it's that's not like that's, that's something that's some good negotiating there. That is some good negotiating. It's not like, so essentially it's not like ABC is going to be stuck with the Western conference, no matter what. Right. It's like, well, you know, tough fucking luck that you have to deal with. Ah, uh, let's just say the ducks and the, there's a team. I don't give a shit about the sharks. Sure. <laughs> sure. Ducks and the Sharks. I'm picking on the West Coast today. I don't know why, but it's probably because there's a West Coast game on right now with the Ducks and the Kings. Two teams I could not give less of a shit about right now. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But that that says to me that this is probably going to be a split deal where ABC and ESPN will get X amount of games and then either NBC or Fox, I presume, will get the, the other slate of nationally broadcast games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, would, that would make sense. I mean, I know Fox... Fox at this point probably has, if not a majority, a plurality of the regional um, channels anyways. It's like, I know they have a lot of the ones like in the South, I think some of the ones out West. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they went for the B package there, but what do I know? They're going to put Root Sports National, Root Sports, home of the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Seattle Whatchamacallits. Kraken, they're going to be the Kraken. There we go. I actually don't even know if they're going to be on Root Sports, but I just assume that. I only know that about Root Sports because I used to work for MLB TV, mm-hmm. and I would. Ha- I, they only came up for Seattle and Pittsburgh. That was the only time I saw that network, and it just sounds so rinky-dinky. I think they're in Vegas too, but I don't remember that for sure. 
Sure. Let's go Why do that. I remember that? Uh, but yeah, that yeah. So I think it's a lot. It's most of them are either and like Fox or NBC, and then you know you've got like MSG up in New York, um, the the one in Boston, whatever it's called. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it, it would it would make it would make sense for like a like someone like Fox or maybe NBC and like at like a smaller degree will jump back in there. Um, I believe I read that deal was four hundred million dollars a year, which is more than the NHL is currently getting with that deal with NBC, or more. Yeah, well, more than they're getting currently. Spread that to the cap already. Come yeah, on, we need yeah. some room for get that cap above eighty-one point five. Well, Batman. We need said... room for that next Sean Couturier contract. Well, Batman basically came out and said today, "Yeah, that's not going to happen," because he said, "Like with where escrow is right now, they probably think the cap." Let me see if I can find the exact quote here. He said the cap is probably not going to move for the next like three, four seasons because of how escrow is backed up. Yeah. He said flat or near flat for the next four seasons for a combination of escrow building up because, you know, the escrow caps were put in place um, before the players came back. And then again, you know, they tried to renegotiate him before this season. The players said, now we ain't doing that. Granted, you know, that, that worked out for them in terms of them getting as much of their money as they could this year. But it does mean that it will push the salary cap growth out at least like probably another year or two and then no fans uh, gm jenga yeah gm jenga is going to be real fun over the next couple of years yeah really um yeah you know lack of, and then you know the with you know fans not being around for most of the season for most teams i'm guessing there will be some back in almost every arena by the end of the season but um i would think so and I mean, even the then, like they're not gonna going to be full like they're probably not going to be full again until next year and then no. And some states uh, won't, uh, won't go there. Won't go there. Won't go there. Listen, if I can pay $300 to have two people in a flyer's box, I'm going to do it. Damn it. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Uh, ABC and ESPN. So four of the next seven Stanley cups, one conference final per year on ABC ESPN, 25 regular season games. And then ESPN plus is going to be streaming a shit ton of games, 1100 games. I'm assuming on this contract or over the, i don't know and espn and hulu will exclusively stream uh, yeah, 75 well, national games which is i so think the most confusing 1100 game yeah I, I feel like i need to understand what that means because like a normal hockey season has like 12 1300 games i think if you you know 82 games a season for 31 teams it's something like tw- close to 1300 games so i wonder if that means like most of the games will be on ESPN plus, but then what do you do with the RSNs? Like, I don't know. I'm probably missing something here. Yeah. The RSNs I think are, are my big factor here because I think you still need to include the RSNs. I mean, everybody's got their beloved. Yeah. There's, there's something I'm missing here. I'm sure I'm not very smart. I get very upset when I don't get a JJ game, when I have to deal with only national broadcasters, it, it it's very upsetting to me. So I, I need more JJ in my life. I, I don't like it when I don't based, have that. Based down in DC. And I'm getting a lot of uh, Joe Beninati this week when we, um, when the Flyers play the Capitals. So that's fun. I, oh I, I don't have negative memories of Joe Beninati because he, he called a bunch of games during the, the 2010 run on versus RAPD. And he, you know, I've, like any normal person have watched those highlights all a hundred times. So it's like, I knew I recognized that name. Yeah. He's the guy who called, it was game seven against the Bruins game five against the, um, against the Canadian. Yeah. Against the Canadians, other games during that run. Um, yeah, he, yeah. So he was on, he was on versus for a while there. I don't know if he, I don't even know if he was there by the time it became NBC sports network, but uh, yeah, so that's why I remember him. So I don't mind him. That said, you know, I like our guys more. Oh, yeah. Our guys are great, at least. 
I I don't want to give uh, Hartsy too much shit because his first game, but yeah, not the I, I didn't catch best that debut for Hartsy. That was on the color an- local broadcast analysis. where I live. I did not catch that. I, I I'm not going to say it got mixed reviews because it didn't sound like they were very mixed. But you know, I I liked Hartnell as an intermission guy, and that color role it seems like one that you sort of got to grow into. But yeah, I mean, we'll, I'll give him some time. He's got the personality for it. Hopefully, he can you know get better at it with time. Yeah, he definitely has the personality for it. I think the problem is you're coming off Bill Clement. We all miss Bill Clement. He's just so weird. Yeah. The sex noises, the great passion for the game. <laughs> oh, oh so I miss it so much. The mustache. Yeah. He's the man. Bill Clement was the man. I miss him every day. I just, it, it, the Wolverine meme where he's holding the picture of Jean Grey, but it's Bill Clement and me. Mm-hmm. That's not creepy, right? Okay, good. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll be on ESPN. Who knows? I, you know, Gary Thorne and Bill Clement, just like yeah. back in the day. Like, like the old days, the video games. Oh, yeah. And we got, we got the that. music back, as you pointed out here. Uh, so That's the one know, thing I'm really excited most for. Most exciting thing here. Yeah, there, there are games on Hulu now, too. I don't totally know how that'll work. I'm just now hoping that now NHL players will start talking in conferences about how Hulu has live sports, which I wouldn't have known about otherwise. So, Carter, how do you feel about how you played tonight? Well, you know, you know, Charlie O'Connor at Broad Street Hockey. I'm just really disappointed that I let down all the fans watching me on Hulu, which has live sports. Hulu has live sports. And then a guy shows up and just like shoots him in the face with a gun full of money. And he's just like, thank you. Thank you. Carter, you gave up four goals on 18 shots tonight. What the fuck are you doing? I can, I can see the scene playing out. This all is a thing that makes sense. We live in weird times. Kurt, are you a professional commercial writer? Because that was beautiful. I should be. I should be. I I have uh, someone call me. You know. Please make this happen we'll make, today. And that's that's how Carter Hart and Joel and Weed will become best friends. I, I've been asking for it really ever since Carter Hart got to Philly. Him and Joel and Weed to just become best friends. And they can both bond over Hulu having live sports. That's how it's going to happen. And Joel and Weed is going to me alone. Uh, never, please, never for the love of God. I just want, I actually want Joel Farabee and Joel Embiid to be best friends. That would also be fun. A reality cool show that. called Joel and Joel. Uh, that, sound, that sounds so pleasant. And, you know, and Joel, really Joel's pleasant, a tiny nice. little guy and Joel's huge. Oh, it, it works so well. It works so well. Oh, man. They just like go around doing Joel things. And it and it could have been Joel Quenville. He could have he joined the city of Joel's. And now he's just in Florida doing old people things. Yeah. He could have been the Philly Joel and now he's just golfing. And now we have, and now actually yeah, that team's doing he, all right. He could have been Philly Joel and no one would have had to try to make Philly Joel Farabee a thing. Like guys, if, if we're still doing this, like stop trying to make this happen. Like stop it. Get some help. Okay. <laughs> stop it. I, I don't want it. Get I don't some want help it. already. Nobody wants this. <laughs> Nobody wants this at all. No one asked. You know, it's funny. It's funny with Embiid is I've walked when I live, when I worked in old city, mm-hmm. I would walk around and I walked around, I walked by a couple of flyers and I had to do double takes. to old realize city, was, I believe that. Yeah. I had to do double takes though, because you know, the flyers are around my height or a little taller. So mm-hmm. it's not like anything crazy, but the one time I saw Embiid, it was just the most unmistakable, just, <laughs> you were not mistaking Joel Embiid for anybody on the street. Just one of, one of the best, one of the best genres of photograph is reasonably sized human being just looking absolutely like childlike standing next to Joel Embiid. Just, it's just just so funny. He was just walking across the park in front of Independence Hall 
with no shirt on, gray sweatpants on a like 90 degree day walking his dog. And it's just like, what is this? <laughs> this is real life. He's, he's just there. Life. He's there with his dog. He's just there oh, with man. his dog and he's towering over everyone. And just no mistake. Like I saw Kevin Hayes and I had to do a double take and go, oh yeah, that's Kevin Hayes. That bearded guy is Kevin Hayes. Joe Allenbead. Oh no, I saw him a mile away. We all know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. No mistake in JoJo. All right. Kurt, are you ready for the game tonight? Let's do this. All right. The game tonight is called Philadelphia Phils. So spring is here. Philly season's around the corner. In the, spite of, in the spirit of the fightings, tonight's game's called Philadelphia Phils. Oh, wow. So everything oh, wow. will involve a Phil of some sort. Phil, okay. Philly kind of thing. Okay. All right. First question. This game shares a name with Michael Rappaport's character in the film Big Fan, who was Philadelphia Phil in that movie. What comedian played the New York Giants-loving main character of this film? I have no idea. Okay. We're not off to a good start here. <laughs> no, I'm going to see if I can give you a hint. That's okay. This is the hardest one, I think. Oh, uh, that's um, Okay. Okay. Your one hint is... Uh, the this portly short comedian uh, i think he's made an appearance on pretty much every sitcom in a supporting role of the past like five years um uh this is gonna bug me uh, i don't know who is it it is pat oswalt oh oh okay wait I okay. I for some reason was trying to think of comedians named Phil. I still don't know if I would have got. Oh, it. sorry. No, sorry. no, no. You're good. I clearly <laughs> misunderstood that. I don't know if I would have got it still, but okay. I should have known that. Okay, yes. He he does show up in everything. That's true. He okay. does show up in no, everything. Okay. Yeah. I think I get a little but more. In the, All right. In the film Big Fan, he he was a I have fan not of seen the, the film Giants in question and... here. So okay. Okay. I don't think a lot of people have. It's I don't a pretty, feel terrible about that. But all right. One. No, you shouldn't. Still off uh, the only reason it's there is because Michael Rappaport using his New York accent plays Philadelphia Phil calling into the line. And he's clearly not actually from Philly in the movie, but that's okay. That's okay. All right. right. Next question. And I I fully expect you to get this one. I'll be horribly disappointed if you don't. Phil Myers currently wears the number five for the orange and black. What number did Phil wear when he first appeared with the team? Ooh, um, 61. You got it. Ding, 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 ding. Ah, there we go. Yeah, because Braun has that now. But yes. you know, Myers had it in his brief call-up. They had to arm wrestle for it, as we all know. No, he, Phil Myers graduated to, uh, I guess they call it a real number. I don't know. Certain guys will switch it up, even though having unique like, numbers. But should have, it, should like have been a nice red flag Farabee. about Justin. Should have been a red flag about Justin Braun when he showed up and was like, yeah, 61. That's a number I like. <laughs> I had a chance to go with a single digit number and I said, nah, not for me. I'm sticking with 61. I, 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 I like, liked when I Farabee like went to 86 this think, year. That's an offensive lineman right there. <laughs> that is an offensive lineman number right there. I never even thought about it like that. Explains a lot about Justin Braun. He's been better lately. Been a little better. He started yes. nowhere to go yeah. but up after the start of this year, but he's been better since coming back from COVID, which. Yeah, I, which is weird. That shouldn't work like that. Not the that. only one. Like, Oscar, I, I'm, we're getting, I'm, I'm committing a cardinal sin here and talking about hockey during the game, but Oscar Lindblom, like, has been better since he came back from COVID. Uh, and go Claude figure. Drew. Yeah, Drew, too. Like, go figure. This is this is all very weird. Um, anyways. Hmm. This is a conspiracy that goes straight to the top. I'm really you. makes you think. 
makes you think. Okay. All right, next question. Number three. Perhaps the most the f- most famous Philadelphia Phil is the Fresh Prince's Uncle Phil. Mm-hmm. What was Uncle Phil's profession? Um, I um. I don't remember. It's been a while. He was a judge. Mm, oh, mm, I should have known that. <laughs> You're getting the next one, though. I guarantee Okay. It. Okay. All right. So you are currently one for three. Okay. Next question. This recent flyer scored seven points in 47 games. Phil Veroni. Okay, um, um, he played forty-seven games for that team. Wait, what? Forty-seven games. I couldn't believe it. Are you seriously? He. I'm I'm double checking right now. No, I believe. I believe you. I believe you. I'm not sure. I believe me. I'm not sure. I believe me. That's what it says on NHL.com. 28-19, 47 games played, three goals, four assists, which I don't remember any of that. I've done – I like to think this means I've done a decent job just blocking that season out of my memory because, like, I knew he played more than I'd have liked him to. I did not realize he played that much. Oh, my God. (laughs) Unbelievable, I know. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Yeah. All right, two for four. Doing pretty good. Sorry. All, All right. right, only trying to do better this time. Two more, two more questions. Okay. See where you end up here. Okay. This Philadelphia Philly from the 1930s shares a name with a popular 1980s musician. And it's not a Phil. Um. Oh, well, he was a Philly. He was and a Philly. I didn't say he wasn't a Phil. He didn't say he was a, a 1980s musician. Uh, 19. 19- 30s oh i would expect you to know more from the 1980s musician part and yeah phil uh i don't know okay uh i will give you one hint here okay let's try it this musician did every song on a 90s disney soundtrack oh wait oh phil collins Yep. <laughs> okay. Wait. Okay. I, that shouldn't have been that hard. Okay. I. I yeah. I don't know why. I, You're on the spot. It's tough. I. I should have. Yeah. Duh. Now, fun fact: when I was on the the Phillies baseball reference page looking for players named Phil, as one just does. below, as one does, just below Phil Collins from the 1930s Phillies in in the listing I was looking at was a player named Tuck Stainback. Which, as far as old timey baseball names go, that's a pretty fucking. That's a name. that that's a ninety ninth percentile old timey baseball name right there. Oof. Kids, let me tell you about the legend of Tuck Stainback. It's been a while since we talked about Tuck. <laughs> it's close enough to Stain that I can I can extend that joke right there. <laughs> Final question, Kurt. This Final is for all question. The... All the marbles, all the fake money here. This former Carolina Panther wide receiver who went to Cardinal O'Hara was so Philly that it was his nickname. Um, oh, Philly Brown. That's it, Corey Brown. I forgot what his actual name was, but yeah, I remember Philly Brown. Okay, yeah, (laughs) yeah. 
I mean, if you had forgotten Philly Brown, it would not have been a surprise because he was Philly Brown. He was a forgettable football player, at least like at the NFL level. But yeah, still good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, that counts as a win for me. I mean, I don't, not that it matters. The standings for this are, are nothing. So hooray. But you and Steph have both won the game. So that's excellent. Hooray. Hooray. Go team. Woo. Woo! All right. Quite a bit of podcast. Yes, we got to get the woos in before we go. Come on. Come on. I'm getting I I have I have tweet notifications from Elliot Friedman turned on from like a trade deadline or a draft or something a couple years ago. I never bothered to turn them off. And I'm now getting ones from Ottawa's game tonight uh, from, quote, DJ Smith or their head coach. No one was any good. (laughs) That's not the name of the Ottawa Senators video yearbook, man. I don't know what is. Oh my God! It's right there. I mean, <laughs> no I, one was during the intermission of this Kings Ducks game, they were showing the highlights from that Oilers Senators game, and Connor McDavid looked like he was just holding a skills competition by himself. Like he was just, it just embarrassing everybody. It was like the Harlem Globetrotters oh, and yeah, the Washington bad. Generals. That's not good. No, you don't want to do that. It's real bad. No, it was straight up Harlem Globetrotters, Washington Generals. Like he might as well have been playing like. Oh, trick puck. Sorry. Like, that's ridiculous. That's some good whistling right there. I, I, I like, I, I, sh- I don't know why I couldn't hit the high note there, but I, I don't want to try again. Cause if I, if I like do it once, like, okay, I didn't put effort into that. If I try it again and don't get it done, it'll just be really sad. And I can't, can't, can't end on that note. Can't end on that. No, that's not a good note to end on. And yeah, McDavid, one goal, two assists in that game, but. I mean, it looked like he was just setting up everybody for easy dunks in that game. <laughs> the poor Senators. They, I, I saw something, I forget who put it out there, was saying like, well, you know what? The Senators are going to be in a better position than the Leafs in three years. And Okay, I, tell yourself that. That's a thing you believe if like you think that it's better to have nothing because nothing could theoretically turn into something than it is to be anything else. And like the, the, the problem is the Leafs have something. So, and like, they have young somethings. Yeah, and like, yeah, they have a bunch of guys that are expensive. It's going to be hard to keep, you know, a, like talent around them. But like, if this, if Ottawa gets, like, it would be miraculous for them if Ottawa gets a core like the one the Leafs have. To say nothing of their ability to get other guys, like Brady Kachuk. Like if they good. get Brady Kachuk's good, Thomas Shabbat's good, like that. But it's not Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. That's it. Like that's it. Yes, exactly. And yeah, like if you get half an Austin Matthews, call me and we'll talk. But would be like saying that, like in 2013, that the process Sixers were in a better spot than like the Heat. And I don't want to compare the Heat to the like the Heat, like the LeBron era Heat to the the uh, Leafs because the Heat won something. But you know, like you get it. Like sometimes we sometimes over fetishize having nothing because because you've managed to not fuck it up yet. And the senators in fairness, like the senators have a decent path ahead of them, but like, like they have the capability to do some good things in the future, but also they're just bad and getting from bad, even to where the Leafs who still haven't won anything meaningful are like, it takes a lot to get there, especially when your ownership is the Sens ownership and it's bad. It's bad. And your ownership doesn't want to spend money because you kind of have to do that to win the national hockey league. And he's Listen, poor. Melnick is just a prince, 
Everybody loves him. He's the most respected name in the game. Many people are saying this. Many people are saying this. It's not fake news in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Woof. Mm-mm-mm. All right, Kurt. Well, I think the marathon has ended. You can you can take your your rest now. It's a uh, I know a, a marathon flight is always a a, t- a tall order for uh, someone. So it's, it's always fun. It's always fun to just talk through some hockey and then fill. <laughs> And whatever else comes up, you know, I think we got a considerable amount of hockey talk. I would say so. Yeah, no, I'm impressed by how much we got in there. Yeah, no, this was a good discussion. Covering, you know, started with a discussion of how this season is going to drive us. Already is driving us all nuts, and it's not going to get better. And you know, we still managed to have a sane conversation after that. You know, so Uh, relatively, yeah, yeah, you know, everything, everything's relative. I guess sane by flyer standards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's good enough. Good enough. Kurt, I'm sure everybody's already following you on Twitter, but where can people follow you on Twitter if they do not already? People can find me on Twitter.com at Kurt underscore BSH. And um, nothing immediately on the docket as far as writing. I I feel like the thoughts I described at the beginning of this podcast, I've been trying to put them into written word a little bit about like how this season is just making us all nuts. And I haven't quite got there yet. I do want to look into the power. I want to read something about the power play in this next week or so um, just because it's been bad. And I feel like it's not just been bad, but all over the place in a way that is sort of tough to sustain. And there was a little talk in Slack yesterday about how they um, about how they're just sort of throwing things together for a game or two at a time. And they need to and maybe they need to try and keep continuity there because it's, you know, what worked for this team on the power play for seven years. So I kind of want to look at what they've done there and see how that hasn't, hasn't worked emphasis on hasn't because it hasn't worked, but no, it's been bad. Yeah. Otherwise just, you know, tweets. Well, I'm, I'm always about reading stuff on the power play right now because the power play is just, I can't believe how bad it is night to night. Like to see them struggle to even get the puck in the opposing zone. Like it just feels like, especially the past few games, the other team has had more shorthanded chances. The Flyers have had in the power play. It's not good. Like, and you know, Shane Gossespierre's shot is nice. He's not going to, he's not going to hit that every third game. You know, like it's just not how this is going to go. No, no, definitely not. All right. Well, if you get that together, we'll be sure to check it out. And, uh, of course, be sure to follow Kurt on Twitter. Always great tweets out there. You can follow me at Flyperbole or at Estebaum. If it's for hockey, though, make it Flyperbole. It's not a, a ton from the Estebaum account. Just don't do it. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. And be sure to listen to all of our great podcast offerings on Broad Street Hockey. There are so many of them, and they are so, so great. All right, folks. That's all we got for you. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, wear a damn mask, wash your damn hands, and... If you can get the vaccine, uh, please look into it and try to get yourself an appointment and get that taken care of so you can get back to the Wells Fargo Center and promptly boo your Philadelphia Flyers and tell them to shoot in person. We need louder people saying to shoot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're so loud, so loud that they can hear you through your mask. That's the goal. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. You don't need to take off your mask to scream at the Flyers, but, you know, if you're louder and they can hear you better, then all the better. And how. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey.